Hi, I'm Lynn. And I'm Jan. Welcome to the Lamplighters podcast. Lamplighters is a community that encourages women to grow in our faith through the study of God's Word. And we are so grateful to be on the journey with you this year as we travel through the Psalms. Last week, Meredith walked us through some thoughts on the safety and protection that God provides, and we were challenged to list some things that worry us or keep us up at night and see how God responds to us in those situations. That was a very interesting exercise Mm -hmm. for me. Um, But today, we have another intriguing topic called Lost and Found. So, lean on, Lynn. Okay, I will. Um, So, today, we've got two Psalms, Psalm 13 and Psalm 139 both of which were at least familiar to me when I read them. So that's always a good start. (laughs) So let's start with Psalm 13. It's only got six short verses, but there's so much in those six verses to chew on. And I want to start with a little bit of background. Good, Good place to start. Yeah. It is assumed that David wrote this psalm when he was on the run from King Saul. Now remember that it was nearly 15 years between the time that he was anointed by Samuel to be king, and when he actually became king, that is a really long time. It is, especially if you're running for your life. Exactly. So who can blame David for questioning God? I mean, how long? That's, that's his first cry. How long? You know, David is angry, and he's frustrated, and he's letting God know about it. Um, Saul is doing all kinds of evil, and he seems to be getting away with it. While David is doing everything good and not feeling like he's being rewarded. That is so annoying Mm -hmm. when that happens. Instead, what he's actually feeling is like he's been abandoned Mm. by God. Now, notice I said that he is feeling abandoned. Mm -hmm. Our feelings are very real to us, but so often they are not true. It's important to notice where these feelings have led David. In verse 2, he asks, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Now, Hmm. that leads me to believe that his thoughts are what is actually making him feel abandoned. Hmm. Um, If he's anything like me, he's probably spending way too much time thinking about how he's going to get himself out of his current situation rather than relying on God to get him out of it. God has not abandoned him. Rather, David has given up on God's plan and God's timing. And he has come to the conclusion that he thinks he needs to figure out how to take care of it himself. Um, Warren Wearsby says that faith is living without scheming. It means not relying on ourselves and our skills to plot our own path. You know, I love that and I hate it in equal measure. (laughs) I I love it because it's comforting and reassuring and I hate it because it's calling me out. Uh, I, you know, you've heard me say how many times now (laughs) that I find myself trying to do things in my own way and in my own time far too often. Well, I think a lot of people can identify with that. Yeah. But I love that definition. Faith is living without scheming. It made me think about uh, how we try to scheme. Yeah. And it, it means living without manipulating or maneuvering or being passive aggressive mm-hmm. or threatening yeah. or withholding affection or being charming. Mm-hmm. I mean, the list of the way we scheme 
goes on and on and on. And it's all because we want what we want when we want it. That's right. And it usually causes nothing but problems for us. Oh, amen to that. Uh, The thing that is most clear to me here is that even though David may be feeling abandoned, the truth is that somewhere inside of him, he knows that he has not been abandoned because he's still talking to God. He's Mm -hmm. still crying out to him. If he had truly been abandoned, there would be no one to cry out to. And we see that he comes back around with that little word, but, in verse 5. One of my favorite words. With that one simple word, he has brought his focus back to what he truly believes. He believes in God's perfect plan. He believes in God's unwavering presence, his unfailing love. And that leads him right back to praise and rejoicing. So in those six short verses, David has painted such a clear picture of what the turmoil in his life can feel like when we surrender to our emotions, our feelings, instead of trusting God, life can feel like a storm raging all around us. Mm-hmm. That is so true, Lynn. And as we've said many, many, many times before, feelings are not fact. And so often our feelings are driven by those thoughts that we wrestle with. So mm-hmm. you think, therefore you feel right. uh, in many ways. And But the fact that David is still reaching out to God, even if he is railing against the Lord, means that David's faith is still active, yeah. even though the storm is apparently pretty extreme for him at that point. Yeah. There's um, a real-life situation that always <laughs> makes me think of this. It's, it's so clear. It's such a clear illustration that it's almost laughable. If you've traveled by plane very much at all, you've probably experienced this. You're at the airport and it's cloudy and it's raining and the sun is nowhere to be seen or felt. And then you take off and before you know it, you are above the clouds and the sun is right there where it's always been, burning brightly. Hmm. It was there all along. You just couldn't see it because of the storm. And that's what our lives are. Our lives are full of storms. Some of them are real. Some of them are figments of our imagination and our emotions and our feelings. Mm -hmm. But no matter where we find ourselves, God is always there waiting for us to rise above our circumstances so that we can see Him and feel Him. And I will tell you, Lynn, as a pilot, there's nothing more thrilling than coming, taking off in IFR weather and then breaking out into the sunshine above. It's just, it's a platitude, but it's really true. The sun is always shining somewhere. Mm -hmm. Okay, what about Psalm 139? One of my favorites, by the way, because it has seen me through many a storm in my life. Okay, I will confess that this psalm hit me pretty hard. And that's a good thing, even though it didn't actually feel very good in the moment. It was not hard for me to understand. Um, It was hard for me because I see myself so clearly in it. (laughs) It's convicting. (laughs) Yeah. So, Jan, I have a question for you. Do you know what a litmus test is? I actually happen to know that because when I was younger, I loved playing with those little litmus papers and testing things in our kitchen. I was a very practical chemist, right? Mm -hmm. A litmus test is used to measure the alkalinity or the acidity of a substance. And it's known as a decisively indicative test, meaning it's accurate and definitive. You can't really interpret the the results any other way than what is presented in the test. Yeah. So that's a great definition. And using that definition, I am going to say that it's 
decisive. It's accurate. Yes. And score one for me for using the definition. There you go. (laughs) When I know, what I noticed right away is that this psalm can be a true litmus test for where I am in my relationship with God. Notice how it can sound, at least to me, it can sound either extremely comforting, God, you are everywhere, or it can almost feel threatening, God, (laughs) I can't get away from you. I want to right now. I don't want to feel your presence. So I'll look at that a little again in a, in a minute. But right now, what I want to look at is the arc of this psalm because I think it's worth focusing on. And it goes like this. First, there's separation from God. Then there's remembering who God is. And then there's exposing yourself to God and inviting him back into your life. Which is an arc that a lot of the psalms have. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So let's look at separation from God. When I first read this psalm, I confess that to me, it felt like someone desperate to get away from God, even willing to go to the depths to escape him. Now, what we know is that that is impossible. Uh, We learned a few years ago, our God is omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, all those omnis, meaning he is all things in all places all the time. So trying to get away from him is absolutely futile. Mm. But so often we are like that young toddler who covers his own eyes and thinks that no one else can see him. (laughs) You know, we pretend that we can do what we want or think what we want without having to answer to God for it. And that's where that desire to get away from him comes in, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. We cannot deceive him and we cannot escape him. By doing, by our own doing, we can separate ourselves from him through our sins. Okay, so in this read of the psalm, the person who's writing it or maybe singing it uh, is cognizant of something in his or her life that makes them feel the necessity of hiding from God. Well, that's what I find so fascinating. I can't know what that person was trying to convey. Was he praising God because of the constant protection and proximity he's feeling to him? Or was he crying out to God out of anger and frustration? Hmm. And it doesn't matter because God knows the answer. He knows what was in this writer's heart, just like he knows what's in our hearts. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the beautiful things about his word. I mean, how many times does it happen to us? that we read a scripture, and we've read it many, many times before, and suddenly it hits so hard because it has a meaning that you never maybe paid attention to before, but it applies exactly to your situation. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's happened to me more times than I can count. And that same verse can mean one thing to me and mean something totally different to you. So does that make it invalid? Um. I don't think so. I think it makes it miraculous. And that's why we are told that God's Word is living and active. And that's why it's important to actually read God's Word. That's exactly right. Because it will speak to us. Yeah, that's a good. Okay, so let's move on to the second step of the ark, which is remembering who God is. Now, notice that David makes this shift in verses 13 through 18. These verses are all about the miracle of conception and birth. You know, David acknowledges that we are made by God. He is appreciating the power of God who created us in his image, each one of us unique 
and each one of us with our own purpose. God always wants the very best for each of us. And David cannot ignore who God is because he understands that his very existence is because of God. Mm. God is remembering who God is. I mean, David is remembering who God is and who he is in God. The tone has shifted, and instead of wanting to get away, David wants to feel God's presence. This is a step we can all take without even having to try very hard. Just stop and look around. This goes back to, back to our lesson a couple of weeks ago about the awe in God's creation. Mm. You know, pick your head up and focus out instead of inwardly. <laughs> and all you can see is the power and wonder of God all around us in His creation. You know, you know what I love about that description? It's such a poetic description of the fact that we are created in the image of God. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Exactly. Okay, so we get to the last step, which is exposing ourselves to God. Now, this can be painful and not very much fun, not because of God, but because of our own feelings about ourselves. Um, Why, Jan, do you think we often want to avoid exposing ourselves to God? Well, I think there are a couple of reasons. For one thing, just that image of exposing yourself is, is a vulnerable image. When you do that, you very, are very vulnerable. Very vulnerable. But the other thing is we know inherently that we don't measure up. Right. You know, there are always things we've done or we haven't done that we've said that we shouldn't have or didn't say that we should have. Mm-hmm. You know, we know we're guilty of those things. And beyond guilt about our action or inaction— we frequently feel shame, not for what we've done or haven't done, but for who we actually are. Mm-hmm. You know, we know deep down we are a marred image of God. We're not the way God intended us to be or wants us to be. Mm-hmm. The shadow of Genesis chapter 3 and the Garden of Eden and what happened there is a very long one, and it, it touches all of us. And I think that we, we understand that inherently. Yeah, I think for me, shame is the big one. You know, I'm ashamed of what I've said or what I've done or what I haven't said or done. I'm embarrassed by the choices that I've made. Now, I truly believe that God never, ever wants us to feel shame. I think shame is from the enemy. I think it's a tool that he uses to separate us from God. Mm. And each other. God wants us to feel convicted He wants us to feel remorseful. He wants us ready to confess and turn away from whatever it is that has caused us to be separated from him. Understand that for sure. And there is a vulnerability that is necessary to expose our true selves. Mm. I mean, we're exposing ourselves to ourselves, if that makes any sense. You know, we don't want to think of ourselves as, as flawed as we truly are. But, you know, God already knows all about us. We are the ones that have to acknowledge our weaknesses ourselves before we can take those steps that get us back into his presence. He just wants us to see ourselves as we truly are. And he wants us to be willing to make the changes that will draw us back into relationship, to be found, if you will, back in him. Mm. You know, just because of my own personal experience with Psalm 139, it just never occurred to me that this psalm could be interpreted 
in that way, yeah. in, a, in an uncomfortable way, because right. there's such comforting for me, but I see that it can. Mm-hmm. Now, you pointed out it was possible to feel two different ways about this psalm. I obviously fall into the second category, yes. so why don't we explore, explore yeah. that a little bit? Yeah. Well, remember our lesson is titled Lost and Found, because we are both of these things on and off throughout our entire lifetime. Mm. When we are feeling lost, it is because we have lost who we are in Him. Something is off in our path, in the way we are living. And this is where that litmus, lit, easy for you to say. I know. <laughs> this is where that litmus test reference comes in for me. How do you feel when you read that psalm? As you said, Jan, you feel comforted. Mm. Um, and that's wonderful. But when I read it, I did not feel, I mean, I felt like someone was trying to get away from God. So I yeah. think that was the litmus test for me. I didn't feel that comfort. I felt like I needed to get away from him. Mm-hmm. And if you're feeling that way, then there's work to be done. He, here's the thing. We can feel lost or separated from God because we don't understand his plan for us. And what we really have to do is just be patient and wait for God's perfect timing. And you and I are so good at that. Well, yeah, speak for (laughs) yourself. But we saw that example in Psalm 13 today. Mm -hmm. David is doing everything right, and he's not getting what he was promised, and he was very frustrated by that. He doesn't understand why it's taking so long, but ultimately he surrenders himself back to God's plan. And in that same way, we need to remember that God has a perfect plan for each of us because we rarely understand it. Sometimes that means we have to step out of our own discomfort and claim who God is in our lives in order to reconnect from Him. Mm. Other times, however, when we are out of step, it's because of our own sin. We don't have the power to escape it without Him. This psalm ends with, Search me, God, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is anything offensive in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's a real cry to God to lead me away from my skin, my sin back into freedom and connection with him. You know, it's hard, but it's worth it. We have to let go of whatever it is that separates us from God. Because what he has to offer is so much better than anything we're trying to get on our own or anything we're trying to hold on to that he Mm. wants us to let go of. That clearly was very meaningful for you. Yeah, it was. So that's what I want to leave our listeners with today. Um, What am I currently trying to hide from God and what do I need to do about it? Mm. It can be as simple as, you know, wanting to sleep that extra 30 minutes later instead of having quiet time with him. Or it can be something much more serious, like maybe it's an addiction that you're trying to hide, you know, or your heart is hardened against someone and you just don't want to let go of that uh, rightful indignation. Mm. Um, You just need to ask the Holy Spirit to show you because He knows what it is. And we are so good at deceiving ourselves that very often we have no idea what it is that's separating us from God. That's one of the beauties of God's Word is it's like a mirror. Yeah. And held up to you, a psalm is convicting, and held up to me, a psalm is comforting. Mm-hmm. And the Spirit uses both of those in our lives. But we are really, truly adept at hiding. Right. 
Uh, we hide from others. We hide from ourselves. And we certainly try to hide from God. So that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. You know, what am I trying to hide from God? Um, the Holy Spirit, we can trust Him to ferret out whatever's really going on and expose it to the light. Always. But that does require, it requires quiet time, mm-hmm. a lot of courage, mm-hmm. a lot of humility, mm-hmm. and some ruthless honesty. Yeah. Okay? But only... We can only do this because we know that we are forgiven and we are loved. Yeah. And no matter what, uh, no matter what we're trying to hide or no matter what we're doing, God loves us mm-hmm. and we are forgiven. And blessing is on the other side. That's right. So I want to leave our friends with another thought because this kept connecting back for me to the title, uh, Lost and Found. It reminded me of Jesus when he said in Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the ultimate rescue mission. So I would like our friends to think about a time when they were lost Mm -hmm. or thought they were. And I don't mean physically. I mean spiritually, emotionally, psychologically. Mm -hmm. The psalm points out that we are never truly invisible to God. But if you really get in touch with when you felt lost, you will get in touch with when you felt found and how that felt. And we need to remember that. Absolutely. That's what always brings us back. Absolutely. Jesus came to us because we are lost, and he found each and every one of us. Until next time.